0: Well, sometimes a prayer takes a thousand words, and sometimes it takes just one. And today we begin our sermon series, One Word Prayers. And coming off a year like this, living on mission, we are heading into the summer where we are looking for rest and renewal, and a series on prayer feels just exactly what we need. Now, there is no situation or circumstance uh, that, that does not involve and move us to prayer, Maybe you're tired, maybe you're hurting, maybe you're celebrating after, the, after this church or school year. And what we all need is to seek vitality in prayer, and prayer is probably what our souls are thirsting for. I don't know anyone who feels that they pray enough, and I don't know anyone who truly feels that they have mastered this discipline. It takes energy, it takes work, it takes time. So our objective this this summer in our series called One Word Prayer is not to find a more efficient way of praying. We're not saying too busy to pray, try one of these words. It's a new proven method, just one word, as if it were a -a one-a-day vitamin. That's not what we're looking for. Rather, our hope is that we would deepen our prayer life and consider just how big prayer really is. Now we want to reflect on all the different ways that we talk to God. All the natural ways that our hearts desire to transcend and connect with something or someone much greater than us. We may find that we have a lot more in common with those around us at different points of their spiritual spiritual journeys. And we also may find that we have a lot in common with those who don't even identify themselves as Christians. Because sometimes our prayers sound exactly the same. We may even find that our prayer lives are not as starved as we think they are. Maybe we are talking to God a little bit more than we realize that we do. And so through this summer, we desire to move in deeper communion with God. So sometimes our prayers really are just one word. These single words sometimes serve as an abbreviation for things that we have prayed for time and time again. Sometimes we find ourselves with a sudden need and we just call out to God for help and we just get out that one word knowing full well that God knows exactly what we mean and what we need. Sometimes we run out of stamina and our souls feel depleted and we just don't have the energy to offer up all the words so we just say what we can. Sometimes it's just help or why. Sometimes it's something angry or something joyful like wow. And sometimes it's today's word, please, It feels appropriate to begin our summer series with the word please, because please is a word that we use quite often. Consider the number of times where we say please, or whispered please, or yelled please. We often say, excuse me, please. Or when the fire alarm goes off during the worship service, we go, please, right? You can say it sarcastically, like if you're a sarcastic person like myself, when someone says to you, want more French press coffee, please, Or when you're late to the worship service, and you're one of the pastors, and you sneak in like in the back like a ninja, and like you whisper, can I sit there, please? If you're on staff at Grace Chapel, it's not uncommon to hear the phrase, could I have some more bacon, please? I don't know if you've heard, uh, but we're actually starting a new bacon ministry initiative uh, here at Grace Chapel to reach out to more people. Uh, You can sign up to volunteer at grace.org forward slash bacon. All right, maybe we're not. But I imagine uh, many of us who are watching the World Cup, uh, who, who are just, just on the edge of our seat trying to figure out, like, is this going to happen or not? Are we going to score or not? Are we going to advance or not? And there are a lot of prayers all throughout the world of people saying, please, while they're watching soccer, which begs the question, does God root for a team? What does God do with all these prayers of please all around the world? We say please in a lot of different ways in a lot of different times. We also use it quite often in our prayer lives. Maybe you pray like I do sometimes, with, with, with some, some measure of reverence, polluted by a good amount of confusion, with a sprinkle of sarcasm and a dash of angst. And then in the middle of the prayer, you say to yourself, this doesn't really sound like a good prayer, so you repent midway, Right? And you add a little bit more reverence and you say things like, okay, God, I, I, I know I can be an idiot sometimes, forgive me for that. Okay, sometimes a lot of the time, but, but Lord, just give me clarity, give me wisdom, give me, give me, give me these things in spite of myself. And like and this, these prayers are sometimes feeling like a train wreck, so you go back to your training of, of prayers and you say, okay, Lord, whatever your will is, whatever that means Exactly. And and, and and you you go to these words like surrender and and, and and things like this, and then you kind of pull back a little bit too, because you don't want quite what that might mean, right? And you say, "Well, Lord, I mean if you, you know I really want this, I really need this, and, and, I, and I really hope this is your will because you know how much more of this can I really take and And, and, and it sounds a lot like that. Sometimes at the end of this, you find yourself just waving your hands much more than you're actually praying. And you just say, God, please, please. That's all I got right now. If you pray like that, I think you're normal. A little more seriously, have you ever prayed for someone that you cared about? And those prayers begin with a sentence like, God, I'm not asking for myself right now. Please, we need you to come through with this. We need you to answer this time and time again. And you've offered these words in all these different ways that you could. You've prayed in humility. You fasted, you've fasted. You've shared this need with others. you just prayed that God would intervene. You've prayed like this for years and years and years. Please, God. As you think about it, please functions differently in the biblical languages of Hebrew and Greek. It's different than the way that we use it as Westerners. In English, we use please as, as a way of seeking requests or making a plea. Uh, a lot of times in our Bibles, the, the word please is, is used to, uh, in a way that God is satisfied or, or God pleases. And oftentimes, we, we see, uh, may you do this. And, and that is the biblical way of saying please, just like we read a, earlier in Psalm 67. Now, I like words, and I like linguistics, and I like, like you know, the technical stuff. And, and there's a lot of goodness found in all of that. But I really like the stories. And when I think of the stories in the Bible that talk about please, I recall stories like Abraham trying to get a wife for his his son Isaac. I bet you when he sent out his servant to find that wife, he was like, Lord, please, please, Lord. I think in the New Testament, I imagine disciples prayed please quite a bit. Like when they were caught in the middle of the storm and Jesus was sleeping below, they were probably saying, Lord, please, don't let us die here today. Or when Jesus started a riot and the Pharisees were chasing after them, they probably said, Lord, please, don't let us die here today, right? And when I think of please, I, I think of one of my favorite stories that I find in the Gospels. And it's in the Gospel of Luke. And it's a parable of the persistent widow. And it begins in Luke 18. And it reads, Jesus told his disciples about how they should keep on praying and never give up. In a town, there was once a judge who didn't fear God or care about people. And in that same town, there was a widow who kept going to the judge and saying, make sure that I get fair treatment in court. For a while, the judge refused to do anything. And finally, he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care about people, I will help this widow because she keeps on bothering me. If I don't help her, she'll wear me out. The Lord said, think about what the crooked judge said. Won't God protect his chosen ones who pray to him day and night? Won't he be concerned for them? He will surely hurry and help them. But when the Son of Man comes, will will he find anyone on this earth with faith? Now we have two main characters here. We have a woman who is in legitimate need and an unjust judge. Now in the ancient world, this this was a common issue for women who were not able to keep their property after their husband uh, was deceased. Uh, Any property or possessions or wealth was transferred over to the eldest son or to the husband's brothers. And if none existed, there was always a greedy man that would try to take claim. And here we find the the situation of of the needy widow. The widow would be forced to take action and go before a judge saying, no, this, this is mine. Often these judges were corrupt and apathetic, and this is what Jesus is describing here. The reaction of the judge is also very interesting, as as we've noted. In English, uh, verses 4 and 5 read, Even though I don't fear God or care about people, I will help this widow because she keeps bothering me. And if I don't help her, she will wear me out. The literal Greek translation for wear me out means she'll give me a black eye. (laughs) And it's not because she's going to punch him, even though she might want to. But she's going to wear him out emotionally so much that it is going to ruin his face. Jesus is calling his disciples to that kind of persistence. But it's here that we feel that we should ask, why? Why does it take so much persistence? I mean, it feels for an honest heart to say, if God really loves us, then why do we have to pray so much? Why the need for such persistence? And does it really make a difference? Does prayer really work? To quote Dallas Willard, he says, God has set up prayer in such a way that if you want to explain it away, you can. That's the human mind. God set it up like that for a reason, which is this God ordained that people should be governed in the end by what they want. It's quite incredible that it is Jesus giving this parable. This is his secret to prayer. He doesn't offer a code word or an inside track or suggest a particular prayer posture that's very effective. He doesn't have any tricks. He just says, keep praying. Keep praying? Is that it? I mean, aren't these the moments that you just want to, like, put your arm around Jesus and say, like, Jesus, I I need a little bit more than that? I mean, like, what about, like, the prayer of the rich young ruler? Like, that sounds like prayers that would really help me right now, right? Right? You know, Jesus, I just need a little bit more than just keep praying. What we have here is Jesus acknowledging the arduous process of prayer by comparing it to a woman who has no rights and is standing before a powerful judge who is generally insensitive, apathetic, and unjust. It's, it's here that Jesus is telling us, keep praying, because he's trying to teach his disciples two things. Keep praying And God the Father is better than you think. He continues to remind his followers that the Father truly cares. And if an unjust judge is going to do his job, imagine the incredible job that God the Father is going to do. If we carry out Jesus' logic even further, we'll see see more. Maybe you're fortunate and you have a a person or two in your life that, that you feel truly understands you. You feel that you can tell this person anything without guilt, without judgment, without punishment. This person is going to love you unconditionally. And if we dare think that that this person understands us more than God does, we have severely underestimated God. And we're probably putting that person in a very difficult and compromised position because that person will eventually fail us. We may have trusting friends that sincerely want to help us, But God is even greater than those sources of support. I ask you, is it possible that we pray less because we are actually substituting this relationship for our prayer to God? It's great to have the thought, I can't wait to tell my, or I need to tell my spouse or my dear friend or a parent this. But do we carry that same fervor when we go to God in prayer? Or Do we only start down that road of praying when our source of support is is tied up or has proven to be unhelpful? I found a lot of conviction in that. Jesus is saying, the Father is even better than you think. So keep praying, keep talking, keep communicating, keep saying please. To quote Dallas Willard again, he says, Many people who have found prayer impossible... Many people have found prayer impossible because they thought they should only pray for wonderful but remote needs they actually had little or no interest in. Prayer simply dies from efforts to pray about good things that honestly do not matter to us. The way to get meaningful prayer for those good things is to start by praying for, the th- for what we are truly interested in. Begin by praying with, for what's truly on your heart and be willing to allow your heart to be changed by God. What happens to our hearts in in these times of persistence? What happens when we keep saying, please, God? What we'll discover is that our prayer life deepens and that sometimes what we're praying for actually shifts. There's growth, there's wisdom in that, and these things are critically important because it's through prayer that we discern God's will and, and we are able to align our will with his will. Prayer is not to persuade God to do our bidding. Instead, it shapes us that we can experience his kingdom, his way, his life. It is through prayer that God shapes the heart and works in our lives. Now, Sometimes we hear this and we think to ourselves, oh great, that means I'm never going to get what I need. That means I'm never going to get what I truly want. And I just have to just live with this and settle for this and, and then just call this God's will and, and be happy with that. No. No, that is not what we're saying at all. That is not what God is saying. That is not what the scriptures are saying. And please keep following along. We have mentioned that there are different ways of praying please. And one of the ways that we, that we pray please is please seeking blessing. Please seeking blessing. So to share personally, personally, uh, my wife Susan and I are grateful and excited uh, that later in November we are going to be welcoming our fourth child in, in, in the world. Um, yeah, I know. Wow. Um, she will be, yeah. She will be our, our, our second daughter. And the idea of having four children, six and under, uh, is a bit overwhelming at moments. But in the big picture, uh, we really are thrilled and, 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 and grateful. In fact, in the early weeks of, of the pregnancy, uh, we had quite a scare. Uh, we were still reeling from the surprise of it all and processing the idea of, it, of four kids. Uh, and, and as that was happening, we needed to rush Susan to the ER because she was experiencing great pain and some significant complications. And you, you probably have had similar moments when you're, you're driving to a hospital at, at, at a great speed, and you're praying, and you're processing, and you're worrying, and you're like, oh my goodness, what is, this, this is going to be a pretty important moment. Please help, please. You, 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 you park real fast and you run through these, these doors that open for you and you, you try to find like the right room and you're praying the whole time, Lord, please, Lord, please. You're sitting in the waiting room and you're like, why is it taking so long? Please, Lord, please. You get into the room that where they're going to do the sonogram and, and, and you're holding your wife's hand and you're, and you're, you're trying to process all this. And you sit down and, and, and they're trying to find the heartbeat. And, and there's a lot of things going on through your mind. You're trying to prepare yourself from for, for, for bad news. And at the same time, you're also trying to you're trying to be hopeful. And you find yourself just saying, Please, God, please. Time moves really slow and really different in those moments, doesn't it? And thank God they found a heartbeat. And then the prayer changed very quickly to thank you, Lord. Thank you. This is it, this is incredible to us because. Uh, We are a a couple that went through uh, years and years of infertility. Uh, We went through six years of infertility, in fact, and it was six long years of treatments and doctor's visits and testing and then a miscarriage uh, and then all sorts of other frustrations and other pains and hurts. So the fact that we're welcoming baby number four later on this year, man, it's pretty incredible. Please. Please, sometimes a 1,000 times a day, sometimes 2,000 times a day, sometimes many other other words like why and angry words and and some hopeful ones too. I know there are many wonderful stories like this out there. And if if you can relate, I pray that you find encouragement in that. Our story is that we quit the fertility treatments. Uh, We pursued adoption and, and had a boy. And then Susan later on that year took a pregnancy test and said, you're not going to believe this. And we had, a, we had a boy, and then, and then we had a girl, and, and, and here we are. Now, our hands are going to be full, and, and, and we remember uh, the pain of having or feeling empty hands. And we pray for those who, uh, who are feeling the way that we felt in our 20s. I mean, I remember turning 30 and thinking to and praying out loud, God, I hope the next 10 years are better than these last 10. I remember, and and I I know that the the years of my 20s weren't so bad, but I was really grateful that God understood the fuzziness of my thinking and the fuzziness of my heart because those years were long and they moved in slow motion and they hurt, but they also shaped. And they shaped us so much through these prayers. It's through the persistence of prayer that God shapes and moves and works. And so when I read the story of the persistent widow, I find that I have a lot in common with her. I find Jesus saying, hey, don't give up when it comes to prayer. Be persistent like the widow, and that works for me. I hope for you too. There's a second way that we say please, and that is please seeking intercession. I bet you if you took inventory of your prayer life, you would find that you often use the words please and may you quite often when you are praying for the people that you love. Lord, may you help her get that job. Lord, may you help him today. Lord, will you heal him, please? Lord, please give them a sense of your presence as they go through this difficult season. These intercessory prayers are are, are sometimes given on behalf of people we don't know too. Like this week in the news, we learn of the Sudanese woman, uh, Miriam Ibrahim, who was finally released from her arrest of apostasy for converting to Christianity. And then within hours of her release, she and her family were re-arrested. And social media just just took off and said, this can't be happening. And people were were posting and, and raising awareness, and many people were praying, please. By Thursday, within 48 hours of her second second arrest, she was released again. Now, it's really great, and and I'm a big believer of social media, it's really great that we create awareness, but it's even more important that we pray in intercession for for the many people like her, the people that we know and the people that we don't know. It's these prayers of pleas that that go out when we hear of a school full of girls uh, taking in Nigeria, being abducted and sold into slavery by a terrorist group. Jesus, please save them. And Lord, please change the hearts of the wicked. Only you could. It moves us away from feeling helpless. And it says, there is another person in this universe that could do something about it. And I am taking this request to him. It's what we do with the outrage, with the brokenness of the world, with all the pain that we've been accumulating that leaves us scarred and jaded. We have the choice to sink deeper into our cynicism or deeper into the prayer of hope. For me, I find that I tread water in both those rivers. Please, Lord. I think of the autobiographical book turned into movie Blue Like Jazz by Donald Miller. It's a winding story about a young man named Don who enters college and and goes through a crisis of faith amidst his personal doubts and the craziness of the world and, and the various messages that everyone encounters as they transition into adulthood. In fact, our high school ministry in Lexington will be screening and discussing this movie in July. And it's messy, and it's uncomfortable, and it contains a needed and powerful and beautiful message that God is not afraid of the messiness. God is not afraid of our questions and our doubts and our anger and all of our twisted prayers and thoughts. God wants our authentic hearts And this is why we should consider that he is listening to us much more than we realize he is. Now, on good days, I believe that. On good days, I believe how amazing God is doing incredible things in the midst of this bizarre world. When I hear stories like the persistent widow, and when I read stories uh, in scripture like, like Hagar calling out to God in the desert, When I hear a dear friend tell me that they can relate to our our story of infertility because this year they welcomed a brand new baby girl and God heard their prayer. When I hear people say through tears that their lost innocence will not define them. When I hear stories about children and women and men being freed from slavery and oppression, I rejoice. And then, of course, when I hear stories of people finding Jesus in the most incredible ways, I'm I'm thinking to myself, God, you really are out there. You really are listening. I think of these prayers of please, and I find them to be quite world-altering, life-changing. And I'm inspired to keep praying them. There's a third way that we pray please, and that is please in seeking a better way. Please in seeking a better way. We realize that there is so much brokenness, brokenness in our world, and it's similar to intercession, but it's even more big picture. Our hearts cry that there's got to be a better way. It's when we pray for peace in our world, or, or strength for the weary, or, or, or healing for the hurting, or, or unity in our churches. It's when we pray, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I had this dream that, that okay, let me stop there actually. I, I, didn't, I didn't actually have a dream um, I, I'm, I've made this whole this whole sequence up. I have a I have a tremendous fear that I'm going to be struck down from behind the pulpit for lying. So I just feel like I need to be upfront with you. <laughs> I didn't have this dream, okay? It just it just works better as an illustration if I say I had a dream. It's also part of like my Egyptian heritage. Um, you know, we, we we really believe that um, that the truth should never get in the way of a good story. <laughs> so I had this dream. Where I, where I died, but then I woke up in an incredible place. And, and I was already relieved, because for most of my Christian life, I have thought that I was going to be living in a cardboard box in heaven. But instead, instead I was like in the, in the, this huge, beautiful home with this incredible bed and, and just like it's just a beautiful place. And I, I got up out of bed and thinking to myself, oh wow, I'm alive, this is good. And it was like a buzzing in the house. And, like, you know how sometimes in your dreams, like, there's all this, like, built in information you already know? It felt like a Saturday. It felt like a family reunion. It felt like the house was full of people. It felt like this was normal in some way. And I walked down these huge stairs, and like in front of it was like this, this huge wall of windows and all this light coming in, and I could hear my wife and my children laughing. And as I got down to the stairs, and it and, and was just this huge home, a, hum- a home I'd never lived in uh, before, and I, and I walked past the, uh, the living room, and I saw my family, and, and not just my parents and siblings, but like also the family that we had said goodbye to grandmothers and and grandfathers that I had never met, and all sorts of people that that sort of looked like me. And I was like, what could this be? I made my way into the kitchen, and because I'm a serious coffee drinker, of course, there was my very own personal Starbucks right there with a a fleet of uh, baristas, a team of baristas right there, just just ready to make me uh, whatever I needed. And of course, because I'm obsessed with uh, bacon, there was a bacon buffet right next to the coffee bar. And I didn't even know there could be a bacon buffet, but like there was like all these different types of bacon, like vanilla bacon and Cajun bacon and barbecue bacon and hazelnut mocha, bacon. It was incredible. Incredible. Pray for us, okay? <laughs> now. As I looked around, I, this 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 utopia was stocked with everything that I liked and everything that, that that was really just about me. And as I kept looking, I mean, it felt like heaven. But I realized that this was not God's heaven. This was my paradise, but it wasn't God's kingdom. Of course, being in church and being the person giving this message, I'm supposed to tell you that I instantly gathered all my loved ones and we got out of there and we set fire to the place. But could I admit to you, is this a safe place? I lingered on that fantasy for quite a while. I mean, I wanted to know, is it bad that I could imagine a utopia that may be better than God's vision of heaven? Even if God wasn't there, would it be so bad that i wanted to stay i mean it was a place that 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 was filled with family and love and security and it felt like a place that didn't have disease or infertility or abuse and it was free of all the injustices all the things i hate about this world is it so bad that i wanted to stay in that and again what if god's heaven isn't as good I ask you, what would your heaven look like if we added all your prayers of please and added them together? How much of it would resemble God's kingdom? And how much of it would resemble a utopia similar to the one that I described? This begins to reveal what we are really praying for. I mean, what if my vision of paradise, the one I have in my heart, is the thing that I've always wanted and I just keep trying to drag God into it? What if what I'm really praying for isn't the same thing that I should be praying for? What does our heaven look like? If we could create our own utopia, but the catch would be God would not be in it, would you choose to live in it? That question almost made an atheist out of me. Before it did, I came to three conclusions. One was even, if, even with my overactive imagination, God's imagination must be better than mine. I mean, whatever I could imagine in this paradise, God's paradise would have to be better. The difference isn't because God has cooler stuff than I do. The reason is because heaven is where God really is. Too, and in a moment of self-awareness, I knew it would just be a matter of time before my own personal paradise ended up failing me. I know this about myself. What, what I had here was an upgrade to my current existence, a significant upgrade. But it was not the heaven that my heart truly craved. I mean, even within the midst of all that stuff and all, that, all those wonderful things, I knew it would just be a matter of time that I would become Restless where I would start to wonder, isn't there, there's got to be something more. What am I here for? My purpose, my identity. I truly do long to be reunited with my creator who knit my soul together and to be with my redeemer who has shown me life. Three, not only would my paradise eventually fail me, but even worse, it would fail those who I love the most. I mean, this fantasy world was uh, ultimately cast me as the king of, of all things. And, and though my family loves me, if they really had the choice, they would not want me as their king. And this meant that this heaven only served me, not others. And that meant that this place was incomplete. Without God, it had holes, it would always be a place of need. As it relates to today's message, If you have to say please in a place like that, then that place is incomplete. Because God's heaven is about completion. Heaven is where there's no more needs. Among the things that we never have to say again in God's heaven are words like goodbye and help and why and please. Heaven is a place where the word please no longer exists. You don't need anything else. It's in God's heaven, that's where I want to be and probably where you want to be, and this is what we should be praying for. It's here that we find clarity for the things that we ought to be striving for and working for and dedicating our lives for. It's here that we are reminded by what Jesus says in Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be given to you. Mm, Please, Lord. And so we come to this conclusion today. Please is the prayer that acknowledges our need and seeks God's sweeter reality. Please is the prayer that acknowledges our need and seeks God's sweeter reality. Friends, let us be vigilant about this, to be vigilant about praying for God's kingdom and not our own. Let us be certain with the prayers that we offer to God and these intercessions and these big picture petitions that it is really God's reality that we are after and not ours. I know it always feels a little bit lofty when we start talking about heaven and and, and we we have to be careful that we don't use the idea of heaven as an escape for ourselves. And one of the ways that we will avoid this trap is to keep our hearts hungry for God, hustling for the kingdom and ever praying in in all sorts of ways. Whether we're praying a thousand words or just one, may we be people of prayer and may our prayer ultimately be on earth as it is in heaven, please. And so it feels appropriate that we close this morning with a time of prayer, a time of silence, and then we'll segue into a time of guided prayer where we will say please together as I read a few things, and then we'll finish with the Lord's prayer together. So let's pray. Father, we ask that you would hear the silent prayers of our hearts right now. Father, you are greater and kinder and closer than we have imagined. May we see even more of your love for us. And all together we say, please. May we pray as passionately and as persistently as we have seen in Scripture. Like the widow, like the saints, like Jesus. Together we say, please. Please. May we seek your peace and strength and your joy in the midst of the challenges, trials, and the storms that we endure. Together we say, please. May we be with may you be with those in need today. May you be with our loved ones, may you be with those who don't who, with those who we don't know. May you be with the ones who regard themselves as our enemies. Together we say, please. And may we seek your kingdom, your heaven, your presence. Each day that we've been given, together we say, Please. Father, we ask that you hear us pray the prayer that you taught your disciples. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation but delivers from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Father, we are grateful that we get to come to you anytime that we desire. We're thankful, Lord, that you hear all of our prayers, all of our cries, the really great-sounding ones and, and the ones that don't sound too good. Thank you, Lord, for hearing us as your children. Thank you for being our Father. Thank you, Lord, for always listening to us. We pray, Lord, that we would allow you to shape our hearts, Regardless of what we are going through, regardless of the circumstances, may we find your strength, may we find your grace, and may we find your presence, Lord. We ask, Lord, that as we enter into this summer looking for rest and renewal, that we would also find ourselves in a deeper communion with you. It's in Christ's name that we pray these things. Amen.